Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. Yes, he deserves all the glory. He deserves all the glory. And the beautiful thing is that his presence is already in this place, meeting us. We don't have to beg him to meet us. We don't have to implore him. We don't have to show him what we're going through, and we don't have to hide what we're going through. He wants his people to be free, so free that nothing, no threat, no fear, no issue of our past or our present will keep us from going ahead and taking the enemy's camp, taking back everything that he has stolen. I'm just, I'm grateful to God to be in the house of the Lord where saints love God. I love this place. I love Pastor Josh. That is my brother right there, and I love being a mentor to him. You know, Dr. Scott, just all of you that, um, that are my friends, are my family. We get to worship the Lord forever together. So even if this is the first time you've laid eyes on me, we are family. We are family purchased by the blood of the Lamb, right? And that means that we will worship him together forever. And that excites my soul particularly as I see the darkness in the world. I feel the urging and the coming and the calling of God for us not to lose heart. And I've seen a lot of saints lose heart and walk away. They just feel like it's just too hard. And at the same time, there is a rising up of a generation all around the world. Former atheists, former agnostics, former Satan worshipers all over the world There is an urgency in their belly. They are tired of anarchy. They are tired of unjust governments. They are tired of watching one another die. And they are saying, if I have to die on this side, let me die marching around the walls of Jericho. Let me die walking around saying, you can take me out on this side, but if you take me out on this side, he's just going to raise me up on the other side. We have to love not our lives to the death, y'all. It's that hour. We see the courage of what is happening all over the world. And even as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said longevity has its place, we'd all like to live long lives. The reality is that every day matters. And that's the word that the Lord gave for me to give you today. Every day matters. Every day Every moment, every second, how we choose to live, what we choose to say, where we choose to go, in whose name we live and move and have our being, it all matters. And if we can't believe that it matters, we're going to lose opportunities. So God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for these, my brothers and sisters, and for this holy ground. I can feel the ground quaking, Lord. I can feel the walls of Jericho, even the walls that are here coming down, the walls of fear and the walls of what if and the walls of what am I going to do after I graduate and the what if is God going to send me someone to love and what if my mental health tries to break me. God, I thank you that the great I am is greater than our what if. I am who am is greater than our what if, greater than our suspicions, greater than our rejections, greater than our fear, greater than tomorrow, greater than today. We thank you that you hold the future and you hold us in your hand, God. So as we go into this word, I pray, Lord God, that you would always, always hide me behind your cross and that you would get the glory. Let me just be the messenger, God, because you deserve the honor and the glory, not me. And so I thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Every day matters. I want to talk with you about eternity in view. During the early morning hours of January 15th, before the sun made its way over the horizon, my father-in-law, Rodney Bunker, took his last breath here on earth. Brought to the hospital on the previous Sunday due to confusion and tremors and an unceasing headache, a CT scan revealed the culprit. It was a massive temporal lobe bleed. Surgery to remove the bleed was not all that long. They cut a hole in his head and they tried to get as much blood out as they could. And they did so in a short amount of time. And so it didn't feel like that was long, but the days that followed the surgery felt like forever. Intubation and sedation were followed by bedside vigils in the hopes that the reduction of the sedation medication and medical prompts would awaken him. But they didn't. For this and other reasons that I won't go into here, my mother-in-law, surrounded by her children and grandchildren and the extraordinary team of caregivers at United Hospital, began to unplug Dad from all of the monitors, removing the breathing tube and every other kind of apparatus that monitored his signs of life. In the following hours in the silence, we sat and we prayed, and we asked that God would be merciful. You see... If human goodness, if being a good person was enough to get into heaven, I assure you that my father-in-law would be in the front of the line. He was a good man. He marched with Dr. King in the 1960s. He worked in Cabrini Green. He and my mother-in-law adopted four black children and chose to raise those children in the 1960s when people mocked them. He left eight years of a tenured faculty position in Wisconsin because he got tired of seeing his children bullied. And so he moved to the south side of Minneapolis where his children could be raised with kids who looked like them. And rather than teach the rest of his life, he drove the city bus. He was a good man. But how many of you know that moral goodness is not enough to get us into heaven? I wanted it. I wanted his goodness in that moment. For 27 years, I had had conversations with him and my mother-in-law about salvation. But they did not want to hear it. Though my father-in-law was not mean-spirited, he simply became resigned not to have the conversation And so you can imagine my husband and I, pastors and believers, who loved him, who loved his goodness, who saw how he loved his children and his grandchildren, who knew he was a man of justice. You can come to and imagine the bedside when everybody else would leave and we asked God to be merciful, like the thief on the cross who cried out, God, today let me, Lord, know you. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. We said, God, if you did it for the thief on the cross, will you do it for daddy? Will you bring him to a place where he can truly rest rather than to a place where there will never be any rest but weeping and gnashing of teeth? It doesn't matter how much we disagree with that theology. The reality is for us it is true and our love for him was true. Enough for people and doctors and nurses to look at us as we cried out, as our 20-year-old daughter stood with her hands outstretched over her grandfather and said, Holy Spirit, come in this place. 
We longed for him to know that his final breaths and moments would be with Christ in paradise. And so as we prayed and we waited, we trusted God and that my dad would put his hand in the hand of the one who knows all things. I begin today's message with this story, not to solicit sympathy, although your prayers and your kind thoughts are always appreciated. How many of you know in our world we need more kindness? The church needs more kindness. We need to be gracious, loving, and merciful and kind. I have seen an uprising of ugliness in the church that breaks my heart. I have seen us fight for lesser things than the kingdom of God. And God is not pleased. So we ask God that he would be merciful. But I pray this and I tell you this story because I want you to know that every day matters, which is focusing on the purpose and the actions and the intentions of our lives. So much of what we experienced the last couple of weeks intersected so deeply with this idea of everyday matters that the Lord would not allow me to let it go. Like many of you, you're in the midst of significant moments in your life that seem like they shine a spotlight on your heart. There are things right now that keep you up at night, things that make you roll back and forth, things that make you drop to your knees, things of the heart and mind. And the only way to make sense of some of the pain that we feel is either to avoid it or to reflect on it. When a monumental transformation happens in any of our lives, be it a marriage, a divorce, unexplained sickness, crisis, estrangement, starting, shifting, or ending a career, going back to school, finishing school, planting a church, keeping an institution open, birth or death. We're often drawn to reflect intrinsically on our motivations, our intentions, and our actions that will help us thrive, not just survive. Y'all, people around us are hurting. The two shootings that happened in California last week were two of 39 that happened just since the beginning of the year. People gathering together to learn how to dance together for Lunar New Year were gunned down. Mushroom farming gunned down. And a 150-pound young man named Tyree could not get home because five people and all of their strength somehow lost their image of the Imago Day in that boy. The enemy is trying to destroy us by allowing us to destroy one another. We want to take sides because we think it will help us to understand. Well, of course, black folks and cops. Well, of course, these folks and those folks. But we have got to be people who discern folks by the spirit. My mother taught me every black person is not your friend and every white person is not your enemy. You better discern people by the spirit. You better lock eyes with people and say, who are you? Who are you? And better yet, who is he? And if you cannot say he is the Christ, 
the son of the living God. We ain't got nothing going on except an opportunity for you to get saved. But too many of us are straddling the fence. We know the earth side. We know the flesh. We know the feelings of gratification. And we struggle to step completely out of it into the life of the supernatural. But this is the birthing ground and the bed for revivalists. This place, North Central University, is the birthing place for revivalists and missionaries and those who will go wherever God says go. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I suggest you get on your face before the Lord and say, Father, let me be the conduit of grace. Let me not love my life so much that when you ask me to go, I fight you. You see, God has sent me to places where I didn't want to go either. But how many of you have been sent to places and you go and you come back changed? You realize that your fear was unfounded. Your skepticism about the others was not warranted. Your us and them language had to give way because everybody was worshiping in the Holy Ghost. This is a season for discernment. It's a season where we've got to lift our eyes and lock our eyes, get our phones out of our hands and our faces out of our screens and look up and say, are you all right? I sense in the spirit that there's something going on. What can I pray for you for right now? I don't care if we're in cup foods, on the corner, standing around a thousand people, or in a concert. If you need prayer in that moment, we need to be people who move when the spirit says move. Walk when the spirit says walk. Go quickly and powerfully and mightily without fear. I'm tired of a spirit of fear. It's robbing us, y'all. Does anyone else see how fear is robbing us? It's robbing us of relationship, robbing us of intimacy, robbing us of trust. Instead, we are turning inward rather than outward. So when I think about today and I think about this idea of what it means to live every day with purpose, I'm really talking about two things, the what and the why of our lives. What are we doing? If someone were to ask you, what are you doing? How would you answer? Well, I'm going to school, or I'm serving, or I'm volunteering. Those are all good things, but when we say, what are we doing? I'm living every day like it's my last day. I'm living to live again. I'm living to see Jesus face to face. I'm living to die. I'm living to have an encounter with the king. I'm living to crucify my flesh so there's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. What else is there to live for? We've all tried it. Haven't we tried to live for relationships? Haven't we tried to live to get rid of our poor self-esteem? We've all tried it. We've all done it. We've just shriveled up. But instead, God is calling us for something deeper. So I'm talking to you about the what. What are we doing and the why? What are our intrinsic motivations? Y'all, I used to do the why. My motivations used to be people-pleasing. My motivations used to be to be more liked, to be 30 pounds thinner, to get an A because I thought that pleased my parents. I had all of these external things thinking that would fill me. 
never thinking that the one who died for me was the one who could satisfy my soul. I didn't imagine that Jesus could be my why. There was even a time when religion was my why. Because I could understand religion, but I couldn't control Jesus. I could control what I did in church, but I couldn't control the move of the Holy Ghost. I couldn't control him speaking to me, saying, you need to die to that. You need to let that go. You need to open your hand and release that to me. I couldn't control him. He needed to control me. And it made me uncomfortable, but it was everything that I needed. Can someone say, I need him? The what and the why of our lives. What are we doing and why are we doing it? What is the reason that we're driven? Why are we getting up in the morning? If it's personally about our aspirations, we need to let that go. Because God's purposes need to inform our decisions. Removing some of the manic, number-driven, goal-oriented way that society encourages us to measure our success. North Central University is not primary gifted and anointed because of the number of people who pack this room. You are anointed because from your founders, Jesus has been Lord. And because you've got leaders who will belly crawl and fight for your survival. This is a place of revival where the fans and the fires are being fanned and where people are crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I concur with what Skylar said. We need to go out to Elliott Park unafraid and unashamed of them because the greater one is on the inside of you. No devil in hell can mess with you. We need to go downtown Minneapolis knowing that there are wealthy people, not just hurting people, people sitting in Fortune 500 towers who do not know Jesus, walking around in their ties, who are more dangerous than any person you think has a gun. You better know and start to discern people by the Spirit. Money does not save you. God is the only thing that will save us. Psalm 90, a psalm of Moses said, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God from everlasting to everlasting. From the moment that the first flicker of being ever came, he was there. And when we take our last breaths and all of creation caves in and he stands alone, glorious, high and lifted up from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. He will never change. And therefore, we can put our confidence in he who will never change. Though the world changes, government changes, relationships changes, schools change everything changes he never changes he always stays the same the word of God says in Psalm 90 verse 12 teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom 
That doesn't mean let us banter with God and say, God, could I live to about 90 years old and then just die peacefully in my sleep? That doesn't, that's not what it means to number our days. What it means is to consider the days that we've been given. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Not one of us. And we can eat and exercise and do all of the right things we want to do. But the reality is our lives, my life, your life are in his hands. The beating of my heart is his will. The number of breaths I get to take is his choice. And even though I can ask him for longer life, he ultimately gets to decide if I have fulfilled my call. It's not about begging. It's about trusting, y'all. We need to number our days and make sure that the what and the why of our days, what we're doing matters to him and for eternity. Listen, my mother-in-law is not saved. I have nephews and nieces that are not saved. I have a niece right now strung out on fentanyl and prostituting to support her habit in the streets of Phoenix. Her son, who my sister-in-law is raising, took a bottle of antipsychotic pills the day after my father-in-law was buried to try to kill himself. Can I tell you that every day matters, but more than every day mattering, my intercession matters. My not giving up matters. My imploring heaven matters. My hallelujah matters. My God, I praise you matters. My walking by faith and not by what I see matters. My Shabbat matters. My heart posture matters. The enemy might have thought that he had them, but according to the promise of God, Jesus has already said, the Tajiana is his. Now it's my job to come into agreement with what he's already said. Let me close with this. We're going to see a lot of things in the natural. They're going to shake us to the core. They're going to rattle our cages. I dare say there are going to be times when it looks like the enemy has got an upper hand. But how many of you know for the people who walk by faith, even when it looks like the devil is winning, just when we want to give up, there will be a shaking from the underground. There will be a cry and a trumpet sound. And we will see the righteous one return with justice and power and might and glory in his hand. And we will be ever so glad that we didn't give up hope. So beloved brothers and sisters, wherever you are, if you're trying to wade through a hellish situation, if you feel like your soul is like quicksand, if you feel just angry and you want to give up, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel exhausted, I want you to hold on. I want you to know that every day counts. I want you to know that your life matters and your soul matters for eternity. I want you to know that you've got spiritual aunties fighting for you. I want you to know that we're not letting you go. I want you to know that we intend to stomp the devil on your behalf. I want you to know that my sword is sharpened, my mind is ready, and my body is willing to lay it down if it means that he gets the glory. So as you stand with me and as we prepare to dismiss, will you lift your hands if you agree and say, God, we believe for a move 
that transforms our beings from the inside out. God, we know that every day matters. Every moment matters. Every word matters. Every life matters to you. And so, God, even with what we cannot see, we believe. We are the generation that walk by faith and not by sight. We are the sons of Issachar, and we discern the times. We are people who walk in the Spirit. We refuse to be people who hate one another. Instead, we let the supernatural love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit cause us to move and to go and to love and to serve and to fight the devil with everything that we have. God, use this ground, North Central University, as a proving ground, a sending ground, a revival place, a place where fires are lit, a place where fires are kindled, a place where lives are transformed, a place where the me changes to the we, and that we don't march around walls of Jericho just for ourselves, but we march for all those who don't even know that the walls can come down. God, we thank you that the walls will come down over our city. We thank you that the walls will come down in Memphis. We thank you that the walls will come down everywhere we go. For where we are, we take up ground. We take it up for you, God. And so today, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that you would anoint, baptize, and fill every one of these young people. Chase the devil out of their lives in the name of Jesus. Quicken them in the name of Jesus and give them a passion to keep watching the skies. Keep watching for your return. We link arms. We fight not against each other, but we fight together, not against the flesh, but against the spirit. And we take down and pull down every vain imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we say, God, have your way. We're your hands and your feet. Do what only you can do. And all who would agree in the matchless name of the one that was and is and is to come, the great I am, the conqueror, the revivalist, the one who leads us, all who would agree and serve him for the rest of their lives would say, amen and amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>